Well, as Jared and I were talking before the service, I think most of you know that last Saturday, our daughter got married to a very wonderful guy. So we are giving God thanks for that. And before the marriage, I was just in a place of really contemplation and thinking and just creating space for that moment of, that was about to happen. And um, after the wedding, I've just been in a space of joy and thanksgiving and uh, praise to the Lord for what he's done. And there's so many things that you think about when somebody gets married. There's, it, it's going, you know, at so many levels from, you know, in, in heaven, the covenant of marriage, God has said, these two have now become one. And on earth, they've joined their lives very practically and as Mr. and Mrs. And there's so many ways that, that you can think about that. But in the context of what we're talking about today as all saints, I think about, I think about it this way. We have our daughter, who is a saint, who married Daniel, our son-in-law now, who is a saint. Two saints joining their lives together. And a saint is not necessarily somebody who is way up there, but a saint in the sense of one who's been separated as to the Lord, one who knows him, one who claims him, one who lives in him and is empowered by his Holy Spirit. And so these two lives have come together, two saints in, into one union, if you will. And I think that's just, I hope that that's a helpful way for us to understand when we celebrate all saints, we are celebrating what God has done for every one of us, what God has done for who, who know Jesus, what God has done for everyone that has been in our lives who are older than we are, however long or short that time is, is and for countless numbers of people who have preceded us over the centuries, starting with the first disciples that Jesus had. All of us are part of this communion of saints. And what we are commemorating today are those lives. And we are doing so, we are celebrating, we're thinking, and, and it's not just a liturgical calendar kind of celebration. I mean, that, that is part of it. But I think if we just let it go past, you know, if, if that's all we're thinking about, we're missing out on the blessing of, of understanding what it means to be a saint. And so that's really what I want to explore in our brief time together today. So when we think, uh, before I do that, I, well, uh, in preparation for that, there's, there's a couple of rescue attempts I want to make. The first rescue attempt is this, that when we think of saints, I don't know about you, I was raised in a tradition, a liturgical tradition, and saints were really up here. They were, they were called Saint so-and-so, Saint Columba, Saint John, Saint Mark. And there's the way I was raised, they were particularly uh, venerated. They were something very special about their lives that was exemplary, that uh, continued to provide grace to those on earth. It was, it was quite an expression of, of sainthood, if you will, from that church's perspective. And yet the challenge with that, the rescue I want to make, is that's a limited understanding of what a saint is. It reserves the concept of sainthood for somebody who has been at the zenith of God's grace or has, has totally laid down their life, has a certain piety, uh, perhaps martyrdom. There's a number of things that have qualified people to be designated as saints throughout the history of the church. But if we just keep it there, we're limiting our understanding. So I want to rescue us from that limited understanding. The second rescue attempt I want to make is to recover the idea of sainthood from being static. So part of the Reformation was to say, hey, all that 
up there, veneration, separateness. That's, that's not really biblical. When you look at scriptures, the saints are those who belong to Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. And so the challenge with that is that we, it becomes sort of static. It's like a, a status. Are you married? Are you unmarried? Are you, you know, are you a saint? Or are you not a saint? And if we just think of sainthood only in that fashion, we miss out on the dynamic nature of what being a saint is all about. Think about the readings that were just read. When the, when the believers and followers of Jesus are commended, they are commended for the things that, the, the ways they lived out their calling, the ways they lived out their life in Christ. And those that are in the Revelation 7 that Frank read are, are those that are in this great multitude. They're the ones who are, they, they know that they have salvation, but they're the ones who on earth experienced hunger and they experienced thirst and they experienced persecution for their faith. And it's, at the end of that reading, it says, never again will they experience these things. And the Luke 9 gospel passage that Cindy read was on the front end of that, that the calling of us as disciples are those that if you're on mission for Christ, you will experience some kinds of challenge, opposition, deprivation, sacrifice. It's why we follow the cross when we do the gospel. It's why we gather to encourage one another. So being a saint, far from being just a status, is very much a dynamic, very much is a calling on our life. So rescuing it from limitation, rescuing it from just sort of a static understanding. And, and now and I just want to explore a little bit about how when we think of saints, and when we think of this time, how is it that that actually blesses us? And I want to, I, I want to look at Hebrews 11 to do that. Just a little passage. Hebrews 11, I think many of you know, is kind of called the Hall of Faith, if you will. It, it's, a, it's a recounting of the things that, that people before Christ have done in faithfulness to God. And there's Abraham mentioned and Rahab and Enoch and Moses. And here's what it says about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses is just one of the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12, the next chapter, talks about. Since we've been surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so what is it that we can learn from Moses and the other saints that I pray encourages us today? A few things. One, I pray that, that just as you think about the saints in your life, and we're thinking about Moses just as an example, but there's saints that you have right now that are living, people that encouraged you, people that introduced you to the Lord, people that modeled that for you, um, people that forgave you. There's a whole host of things that saints are called to do. And when we think about that, I pray that we come away with a, being inspired, that sense of being filled in, with the urge of the ability to live holy lives as saints are called to do. Uh, I, I find Moses very inspirational that here as a prince of Egypt and, and with all the blessings of that and all the things that our world seeks after, prestige, power, reputation, capability, 
opportunity to do all kinds of cool things. That's very much this valley, I think, in many ways. Moses said no to all that because that wasn't where God was calling him. And so, in fact, it was, it was counter to what God had called his people to be doing. And so that in itself is an inspirational example. Um, so <laughs> so I, I think we have, there are other examples that, that I think each of us can think of. Or how about if you're inspired to do something, you find God leading you in a particular way or inspired to live in a particularly more holy uh, manifestation, however you want to define that, then there's the encouragement that comes with this. To be encouraged is literally to be filled up with courage. Because if you follow after Christ, it will take courage. There's a part of us that will not want to do it. There's a part of us that will resist doing it. There's a part of us that can fail, flag, uh, otherwise grow weary. And, and so to be encouraged in that calling is what that Revelation 7 passage is about and Luke 9. In our world, the gospel still is foolishness to the Greeks and still a stumbling block to the Jews. The oppositions that any of us would face in any number of settings and scenarios, it can range from passive dismissal to active hostility. People will not idly stand by when their idols are under attack. They, they just, you know, if, if the exclusiveness that comes with the gospel of Christ, there's no other name. The um, calling out of values and of ways of thinking that are just counter to who God has made us or made humankind. There, there are times where we, just by standing up for what is true and what is right, we will come under some kind of challenge, some kind of attack. And we don't look for it, but we don't necessarily shrink back from it either. We need to figure out how to walk wisely. We need to figure out how to encourage one another in such times. But to be inspired, to be encouraged, those are important things. And finally, from the life of Moses, I, I think about persevering. To keep on in the midst of opposition, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of doubt or setback or loss, whether that loss is possessions, relationships, or personal liberty, the saint is one who also perseveres. Also, they're inspired, they're encouraged, and they're persevering. Vicki and I have been reading a book uh, recently by Rodney Stark about the church in China. He came across the, a description of the ministry of Watchman Nee, whose name I'd heard, but I didn't know much about him. Born in 1903 uh, in China, was uh, as a high school student, was considered lazy and was actually thrown out of a school. Uh, he went over to an Anglican college, and there, in the midst of that, actually went to a revival meeting, was dramatically converted, and with the Holy Spirit gifts of teaching and of leadership, just preached uh, what ultimately became a movement of about 70,000 people through the course of the 30s and 40s in China. Communist takeover in 1949. Um, he's okay until about 1952 when he's in prison and sent to a re-education camp. Four years later, more charges are thrown at him and he is imprisoned, sent to an actual prison for the remainder of his life. And yet that sense of being, just that story was inspiring it certainly encouraged us, and that sense of his persevering throughout that um, was just really, I think, really spoke to both of us. And part of what speaks to us is how God used his faithfulness to continue to bless people today. 
Some of you know that the church, which was called Little Flock, actually was the basis for what is now the underground church movement in China. His faithfulness, his perseverance, his courage continues to bear fruit long after his passing. That's an astounding, amazing privilege that God allows, I think, all of us to have at some level. These are a little bit more dramatic examples because they're larger, but it doesn't mean that as we are, you know, we should not expect less in our family or in our place of work to use the faithfulness that God allows us to have to continue to bear fruit long after we've gone. I think that's an astounding thing uh, <laughs> that saints get to be and get to do. I'm like, man, that, that sort of deserves a doxology all by itself. But I, 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 just in reflecting on that, that's really what I wanted to come and share tonight. I think two practical ways to walk it out as we celebrate all saints. One is just to give God thanks for the saints in your life, whether those are people that are still living. Maybe they're books you read about somebody who, you know, that really inspired you. Watchman Nee, we can give thanks for his life. Um, but just take time to, to note that and to give God praise. And the second way is whatever we are going through now, know that we have, you know, we have the Spirit of the Lord to help us. But part of what the Spirit does is direct us to the vast treasury of resources from the saints that have gone before us that says there is wisdom over here, that says there's an example of perseverance over there, that says here is how somebody faced the similar kind of opposition. Here's how somebody just got motiv motivated to put one foot in front of another in the middle of a really hard time. Here are Christians within Holy Trinity who can pray for you or you can pray for them. So there, there are countless ways. I think what I, what I need to do, what I want to do personally in this and have us do is whatever that place is where you say, Lord, this is hard, this is challenging, this is confusing, to then have the Spirit direct our attention to whatever resources are available to us through the treasury of the saints. And so give God thanks for the saints in your life. Praise him for the saints that will come. Don't let the resources that he has given us pass you by or, or go unused in whatever you're going through. And I think if we do those things, we'll be able to actually live out this celebration and this commemoration of the lives of all saints, the communion in which we are privileged to be a part of. Amen. Thanks for being with us online in the Sermon Podcast. To find out more about Holy Trinity Silicon Valley, head to www.holytrinitysv.org.